Hello, and welcome to the Incredible Witness podcast. Today's episode is titled, If You Don't Know, Say You Don't Know. I'm going to begin by telling you a little story about something that happened to me at court a long time ago. It was a valuable, worthwhile lesson that I've never forgotten, so I'm going to share it with you. Many years ago, I was giving evidence in a case, and it was going really well. I was passionate about what I was talking about, and I had argued my case well, so I was feeling quite pleased with myself and the way my evidence giving was going. I believed I had given pretty strong, strong evidence up to that point, which the court could not help but be swayed by. I must have then allowed things to go to my head, and instead of remaining with my feet firmly placed on the ground, it seems I allowed my ego to, to take over. Then all of a sudden, it happened. I was asked a question. I can't even remember what I was asked, but wherever it was, it was clear to me in hindsight that I didn't know the answer. I say in hindsight because at the time I didn't have the presence of mind or poise to think sufficiently about the question and how to answer it. Had I been able to, I would never have answered it, answered it the way I, I attempted to. But what I did instead was I tried to answer it by kind of bluffing my way through it. Big mistake, huge, and so unnecessary. Why? Because when you go from talking about an issue with insight, passion and enthusiasm, to answering a question you have no real knowledge about, your body language betrays you. And it is obvious to everyone watching you that you don't know what you're talking about, or at best, possess only a very shallow knowledge about the matter in question. It would have been far wiser to have paused and really thought about how best I should have attempted to answer that question. I should have said, I don't know the answer, but I didn't. I guess, no, I know, I was complacent and it taught me an invaluable lesson. Firstly, it taught me the obvious, that I don't know everything and, just so you are aware, the court does not expect you to know, no, everything, in any case. Second, it taught me to listen carefully to every question. This is vitally important whenever you're in the witness box, because you can't answer a question properly if you haven't taken the time to listen to it and consider its implications. Third, to, to consider how best to honestly answer the question, the operative word here being honestly as opposed to foolishly trying to pull the wool over the judge's eyes and only succeeding at fooling myself. There are a number of ways you can answer most questions, but some questions will only highlight your ignorance, because unless you are really clear about the answer, it is best to admit that you can't answer it, or just don't know the answer. Fourth, it taught me that there's no place for arrogance in the witness box if you want to be seen as a credible witness. Fifthly, it taught me that how or the way you say things is more important than the words you use. In other words, your body language and responses show those observing you telltale signs that what you are saying is incongruous 
with your with your expressions or with what your body is saying. Sixthly, it taught me in hindsight that there's never any harm in saying that you don't know something. It is far better to acknowledge this openly than pretend you have knowledge about an area in which you clearly do not. There is generally no harm in saying that you do not know something, unless, of course, it is a question directly related to your, your area of expertise or something that you really should know given earlier testimony, testimony or information within your written evidence. Even then, if you do not know something or are unsure about the answer, it is always better to admit it and to try to, cross, to, to come across as having more knowledge than you actually have because you present as being much less reliable when you do this. Fairly frequently, you may be asked questions that if you're honest with yourself, you just can't answer. For instance, let's say you observed a parent acting in a bizarre or strange manner, and you were aware that the person had a history of mental ill health. Then you are asked, did you think on the occasion you observed them that the parent was displaying signs of mental illness? The only way you could answer that question sensibly, as well as honestly, is to explain how they were behaving, but make it clear that unless you are psychiatrically trained, that you are not qualified to answer the question. So although the thought that the parent might be mentally unwell entered your head, you have to be disciplined enough to explain the limit to your knowledge and experience. In the event that you answer the question by saying, that you thought they were displaying signs of mental Ill illness, you would then, quite rightly, be criticised for having, for making an assertion you are not qualified to make. You have to be very clear about the evidence you give and their consequences. So before being tempted to answer a question without giving sufficient consideration, just be aware that you're dealing with someone's lives, with people's lives and that you, can, that, you can do undo, that you can undo any good evidence given previously by a lack of honesty and, thought, and thoughtful consideration. When answering questions, you have to take care to think clearly about what you are being asked. For instance, let's say you have, to, you have had a disagreement or a number of heated disagreements with someone, let's, say, let's call them Mr. J another party in the case, and he has made a number of false, malicious allegations against you. Then, in the witness box later, the person cross-examining you says, I put it to you that you don't like Mr. J very much, do you? Now, you, now you might personally detest the man, but it would not necessarily be wise to admit this by simply agreeing with the question. It would be far wiser to display your professionalism by saying something like this. I don't like his behaviour or some of the things he does. Then, if necessary, give examples of the type of behaviour you are referring to. This conveys to the judge that you are not just someone who loathes Mr J and behaves impulsively, but instead that you are someone who thinks about what they say and are able to differentiate between his behaviour and him personally. This gives a far better impression to the judge than had you simply agreed that you detest him. 
Often we may be inclined to say things which give the appearance that we know more than we do. The exposing thing I found about giving evidence is that for some strange reason we often want want to give the impression that we know more than we do. However, the reality is that the more we know, the more we realise just how little or pitiful the extent of our knowledge is. For this reason, this inclination is to be avoided at all costs, if we wish to avoid making the foolish mistake I did. This tendency will not help you in any way when giving evidence in court, unless you have a penchant for embarrassing yourself. To be seen as a good or credible witness, you do not have to be exceptional, giving it phenomenal answers to every question. That is not what the judge expects from you. He or she just wants to know that the evidence you give is truthful, is sensibly argued, consistent with the evidence in the case, and with what is clearly in the child's best interests. So don't overburden yourself with the view that, for your evidence to be preferred to that of others, that it has to be superb in every sense. It doesn't. More than anything else, I think the judge wants to know that you are a liable character who takes the time to weigh up their answers and offers considered responses that are consistent with the child's current and long-term needs. On occasions whilst being cross-examined, you may be asked a question and your mind just goes blank. This happens from time to time. And when this happens, one of the things you can do is stall for time, giving your mind time to adjust and make sense of what's being lost of you. You cannot hope to answer a question properly if you don't fully understand the question. So if and when this happens, simply ask the person asking you the question to repeat it. If you still don't understand it, or it still makes no sense to you, after he or she has repeated it, then just say you don't understand the question and request that they ask it in a different way. Take your time and do not rush to answer it. Try to take everything at your own pace. I hope this episode has dispelled the impression that you have to be a know-it-all and given you much to think about, helping to clarify points you might have had anxieties about. Until next time.